0: AM 970 The Answer presents i on real estate. This is your premier source for real estate information from the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. I'm getting closer to my heart. Call now. That's 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman.
1: We're back. You're listening to Eye on Real Estate. I'm Dottie Herman, and I'm here with Ace Water Supark and... Jerry Feeney, our legal expert. And as I promised you, I'm thrilled to have Steve Cuso on the show. Steve uh, writes for The Post. You're a man of a lot of trades. I, You have a book, too. You, you write about restaurants. You do some real estate. You kind of do a lot of great things. How are you? And happy Fourth of July weekend.
2: Same to you, Dottie. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm actually still in the city, and I'm just dreading thinking of leaving it because <laughs> I... The car service I took to get to downtown said to me that it took him three hours just to get to Newark Airport. And I'm going out to the Hamptons, so it's probably going to be hours.
2: It'll be hours. Serves you, serve you right for having a place in the Hamptons when not everybody else does, you know. <laughs> but as
1: I told my listeners, this what, when I bought the home in the Hamptons, I really didn't pay a lot of money. It, sometimes it's just a matter of keeping things long enough. So anyhow, cool. <laughs> you really do... Write on a lot of different things.
2: Well, there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. You know, it's a, New York City is an amazing place, <laughs> and you could never exhaust it, even if you wrote, you know, a million articles about everything.
1: Now, right, and people can follow you on Twitter. Okay.
2: so they- yeah, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but uh, pretty much Twitter, uh, the, the main place to read my work is on the New York Post website, which is nypost.com. Don't miss it, folks, nypost.com, and I'm very easy to find. Just type the name Qzo into the search box, and you'll get everything I've ever written going back to 1999. Wow.
1: Wow. <laughs> wow. And you'll find out everything you need to know about New York City. Oh, yeah. So let me ask you, Steve, okay, what things do you, well, first of all, let's, let's talk about a little controversial thing. And, by the way, you can call us at 866. 866- Eight six two nine seven zero nine six two two. You put an article out that vanilla. Or you decided that vanilla is the best ice cream flavor.
2: Um, did right. you get a
1: lot of heat on that? Did a lot of no?
2: I'm not, not, nobody disagreed. I got a bazillion emails, tweets, Facebook postings, all saying, "You know, I'm on board with you." Well, vanilla, I'm on board. <laughs> I... Vanilla is the most over uh, underrated, uh, underappreciated uh, flavor.
1: I, I think you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm a vanilla person. I'm See, not a chocolate person. To, I'm on board. <laughs> Jerry, you might not be. Did you say you're not? I lose, Jerry? Yes, I did.
3: I'm a, I'm a cookies and cream kind of guy, but vanilla is great, too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you saw my, my story about vanilla ice cream, it was in the post on Wednesday. And the same day... Uh, we had a package about ice cream. My colleague, uh, Lauren uh, Stussy, did these great stories about the summer's weird ice cream flavors, these strange, new, funky flavors that uh, incorporate all kinds of weird stuff, dark, vegan matter that looks like a yeah. <laughs> pile of turds and a cone and all that. Yeah. So you should check that out, too, because it was a great read. <laughs> and I don't, uh, I don't like any of those, but, um, you know, for, everybody has their own tastes.
1: Right. And it's always good to try something new, but back to the old basics, what do they usually have? Vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. Mine was always a vanilla. So I'm with you on that.
2: Yeah, vanilla is clearly inferior to chocolate. See, well, I whatever. knew, Jerry. Well, well you just, Jerry, you've just never had the right vanilla,
1: that's all. That's probably. No, I've had every
4: type of vanilla, French <laughs> vanilla, you know. But I agree with the the crazy, where was I? And they, they had, uh, the chef had, you know, you can't improve on on classics. And the chef decided that they were going to make some type of ice cream that was, you know, with some crazy flavor. It was disgusting. You know, I'm like, i just have, I have a dish of chocolate or vanilla, you know.
2: Yeah, ice cream. People really love vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry, and maybe a few mm-hmm. others, you know, salted caramel. It's, it's like opera. You know, when people go to the <laughs> opera house, they want the same old operas, you know, going yeah. you know, 18, 19, Carmen. 20, yeah. early 20th century <laughs> repertoire. They don't want all the kinds of, uh, uh, you know, strange operas that contemporary Composers churn out and, and get agree. tons of money from you know the government and private foundations to uh, compose. Same with ice cream.
1: Well, I think it's also the same with kind of your favorite singers. Like I was listening to uh, I don't know what station, and so they had Stevie Nicks, and I'm a Stevie Nicks fan. I love Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I loved same her. here. Uh, so you know they were just having hours of, of them, and so they had you know their you know their major songs that make you know famous. And then they had some other songs, and of course, I gravitated to all the songs that I knew. And I think that kind of, you know, you can take a few new things, but when a performer, even with a performer, I think the same thing happens. People want to hear the stuff that made them famous, and they need to carry on and put some new things in. But it's got to be like a fine balance. Right? Oh yeah,
2: the, the, all the old old stuff is always best. I, I'm calling you now. I'm, I'm on a, a desk, t- on a you know a, a landline desktop phone wow. and because of that you guys can hear me your listeners can hear me if I was on my iPhone nobody would hear me
1: it's true, <laughs> it's Maybe true. My sometimes iPhone, older is better <laughs> yeah.
4: my iPhone is so frustrating I could no one could ever hear me and it's like I'm going to call you back I'm going to take it off <laughs> Wi-Fi and it's, uh, you're right a good old landline is nothing like copper hmm <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that's,
1: true. That's, the, that's the facts. Anyhow, Steve, so, so tell us what's going on. Now, you wrote something about Atlantic City and that they should get out of the gambling
2: and well, casino oh, yeah. business. Uh, they, they never learn. You know, if you look at the Post today, uh, there are new two big new casino hotels in Atlantic City. They what are Lamp- the names of them? The, the Hard Rock, uh, oh, Atlantic right. City Hard Rock uh, Resort and the Ocean Resort. And the, Atl- and the Hard Rock uh replace the old Trump Taj Mahal, which closed a few years ago, and the ocean replaced the old revel, which closed a few years ago and revel cost two, mm-hmm. two and a half billion dollars to a build and it closed, was Revol- closed in two in closed in two less than two years was
1: that the one that the um, that was owned by the state or something like that or was that was the- no what well, was became the, one on the dorm
4: water? rooms for a while private
2: investors actually? no no I think mm-hmm. you think you may be thinking of a different building on the boardwalk that has been turned into a an educational facility, right? There was something, mm-hmm. but you know, they're, they're, in my view, they're making the same mistakes. They, and, and you know, look, there—it's New Jersey. They, they're not always the brightest bulbs, <laughs> in, the, well, not the brightest bulbs in the deck. Now we're going to get paid emails. Okay, how's that for a mixed <laughs> metaphor? <laughs> and so they still think they act as if gambling is this—you know—rare, precious form of amusement yeah. that you can only get in, in like a handful of places. I live in New York City, as you know, Dottie, as you do. We, we, can, we can, if we want to go gamble legally, we can go to aqueduct. I mean, the yeah. racetrack, they have a receipt. Go to,
4: Yonkers. Go to Yonkers. You can do it online. Yonkers
2: at the, you know, yeah. what used to be the, the <laughs> raceway. And... And yet in Atlantic City, they still have this idea that gambling is the thing. It's not only New Jersey. You know, Governor Cuomo thinks that we need casinos upstate, which will be just the thing to further yeah. impoverish people who can't have you afford. Been, yeah, go to, no, no, to no. Sell and, I, I, and look I, at the. No, I, <laughs>
1: well, wait, but, what, wait, well, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that. So I know that they want to put gambling in like upstate some places. So what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think all casinos, with the exception of Las Vegas, which is a special case, very, very different. Um, I I believe that, uh, as many people do, both liberals and conservatives, that all casino gambling uh, amounts to what's called a regressive tax, meaning that it, it... takes money away from people who can least afford it and because people who play tend to be i uh, am not talking about the occasional whale who comes over from Luxembourg and spends like a billion dollars at the table most people are uh, lower income and and or elderly. I see, the, the buses. And, they, and they take the buses, and it's it, absolutely disgusting if you've ever tried to take a Greyhound or any of the other buses from the Port Authority bus terminal to Atlantic City. If you have a 4 o'clock bus... You'd better get there at two thirty because there's so the crowds yeah. are so. But but back to casinos, you know, they in my view they they enrich um, the owners sometimes. Although you know the Trump Taj Mahal went bankrupt four times, so it didn't really enrich anybody. <laughs> that
1: many
4: times uh, didn't trickle
2: down. Yet. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> and it might have even been five. I'm not sure. And somehow you know kept limping along in business. Um, it pays the salaries for basically middle class people who don't live anywhere near the casinos. Most of the people who work at the Atlantic City casinos don't live in Atlantic City, which is a very poor town. They live in in Atlantic County, which is a much wider area. Mm -hmm. And the people who are from Atlantic City... Which has a population of only forty thousand, and you know that—that's one third of the number of people who live in Bushwick. To, to give you an idea how small it is, don't work in the higher-paying jobs. Uh, it enriches the unions. It enriches uh, uh, the mob. Uh, I'm not saying anything specific about any Atlantic City uh, casino, of course, but just generally. Um, there's been one scandal after another so, in terms of kickbacks, extortion, no-show jobs, so all the usual what's
1: shows. the solution, Steve? What would you do with Atlantic
2: City? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, look, I, I think that in Atlantic City, they, they really haven't learned the lessons of Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, more than two-thirds of the revenue at the casino hotels Comes from non-gambling activities, and if you've ever been there in the last fifteen yes, years, I uh, I'm not a gambler. Las Vegas can be absolutely delightful because those casino hotels are you know huge environments with they have their own built-in rides and roller coasters and some of the best restaurants in the country and and uh, just a million things going on. Fabulous showrooms and Atlantic City. They're still relying on the old formula. Two-thirds of the revenue is from gaming or gambling, mm-hmm. not from these other activities. And t- having two new casinos doesn't really change the, the balance. <laughs> Both of the new hotels, the the Hard Rock and, and the Ocean, are obviously much, much better than the Yo. ones that they replaced. But even so, if you look at the, you know, structurally, the formula, there's still basically big... You know places to mm. gamble with showrooms and tacked on and I, and, and terrible restaurants for them i part. always wondered well well i don't know about the
4: i mean the ocean used to be the Revel, which had beautiful wonderful restaurants so i don't know what the ocean restaurants are offering but i here's what i always wonder about atlantic city when you when you drive two blocks away from the boardwalk and see the poverty i always wondered what happened to all this money? Where did all this billions of dollars that came into this city? it didn 't trickle down to any of the residents for housing or it rarely, it rarely infrastructure. Does. i mean I, and I, I felt so bad for those people because i 'm like this is not fair. you know this city uh, there were billions of dollars passing through it, and they're they're living uh, you know in exactly. war zone. I, yeah. I
2: think I think that it, it gives them whether it 's Atlantic city or or any other you know locality it gives. People who live nearby further reason for resentment that, Mm -hmm. you know, people are mostly, you know, much higher incomes are coming in and, you know, putting in these gigantic, ugly buildings and on their ocean front. And, I mean, obviously the beach and the boardwalk are open to everyone, but Mm -hmm. I I can see how it would... um, how it would annoy me. I mean, I'm a New Yorker. Dottie, I walk along 57th Street. Oh, and I, I live res- there. And I resent, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the oligarchs living in, you know, Steve? buying five, four apartments that they never occupy. Now, I'm a comfortably middle class person. Imagine how somebody who is living on food stamps and maybe working two or three jobs to feed their families feels about. Um, you know, giant casino well, hotels?
1: you know, again, I live around there, and I... First of all, I think some of the buildings are way too tall. I mean, I think that you... You, I said that to Jerry before. I said I think some of them really... You know, there's a point where the skyline... Where it's just too crowded, and the density is just too much. And I know... Um, and it's, it's it's kind of very controversial. And again, this is my opinion. I know they're putting in a homeless shelter, I believe, right around there. And I'm like, why would you? I mean, I just think that's hard for people that are homeless to have to be around next to hotels that have and, and apartments that have $60 oh, million. Uh, you, you it's
2: absurd. One on West 58th Street. It's a disgrace. On West 58th
1: Street. Absurd.
4: It's the most political thing ever, I'm ever like, done. And why it, would p-
1: homeless people want to be uh, next to sixty million dollar apartments <laughs> yeah. and a uh, uh, five star hotels.
2: Exa-
4: mean, what, no, was what was the mayor trying to po- prove by doing that?
2: What well, do I think? think I don't know if he was trying to prove anything, but uh, I, I think he basically the fundamental problem with the plazier, was that he's not I mean I think he's corrupt but that's another story people can debate that I think he's incompetent yeah, and well, I we think agree that, with that he says well we've got all these homeless people and mm-hmm. you know many more on my watch than on my predecessor's watch we've got to put them someplace so gee let's fill up the ho- you know let's let's make deals with some hotels and, you know, one of the reasons that they're able to do this, I believe, and I've written about this in the past, is that the hotel industry in New York, forget the propaganda that they put out, is quite weak. There's an oversupply of hotels? Uh, too much construction, too many rooms, and so all the basic metrics of hotels are down and have been down for three years. The the, the main metric is called REVPAR, which means revenue per available room, and it has been sinking for the last four or five years. And so cer- certain hotels, like this stinker of a hotel on West 58th Street, I, I don't even remember what it was called, I would don't. rather make a deal <laughs> with the city of New York, pay them a certain amount of money, and they don't have to just collect a check. It's like a coupon bond, you know. Just Well, collect- you know how
1: much they're paying them? I mean, listen, I happen to know because yeah. I uh, I actually got a call for somebody at the Post. I happened to, like, months ago when I was getting my hair blown. They're like, is this true, Dottie, about this shelter? And I'm like, uh-huh. really? I'll go find out because I didn't know. <laughs> but I just think that, you know what? I don't, and I, and I don't think it's like, okay, just do it, but don't do it in my backyard, because I don't think that's correct either. But I just think that they have to be a little thought out, a little bit more.
4: You, and um, We've been advocating for for uh, homeless housing from the beginning of this show, and people have accused me of not in my backyard mentality, and that is not at all what we're saying. What I'm saying is that you cannot make a political statement on the backs of of homeless uh, people. That if you truly want to house people who are without homes, and you can house a 1,000 families in Queens, but you can house 30, on West 58th Street, one of the most expensive places yeah. in the city, where if they wake up in the morning and need a cup of coffee, it's $7. That's absurd. And if you ask those people who need to be served, what would they rather have? They would rather have a roof over the head in Queens and accommodate 900 of their brothers and sisters who were also impoverished. So that's what we, we ought to be maximizing the number of units rather than worry about where where we're putting them. And and I think it was very much of a political statement that he wanted to thumb his
2: nose entirely. at uh, the wealthy. Yeah. Entirely. And I, I think that you, know, you said on the back of, of, of the homeless and the poor. I totally subscribe to that view you of yours, and and it it, it, it it comes also at the expense of the middle class. A lot of the people yes. who live on West Fifty Eighth Street are not trillionaires living at One Fifty Seven or um, whatever. No, they're regular they're, people, they're middle class people, yeah. and so it's an offense to everyone.
1: And like that, they're right next door. You know, these are these are people that are called. I'm um, working. I think workable homeless, and they're basically felons and who've been in jail. So, uh, not that I don't think people deserve second chances, but it's right next to people that have little. Ca- I mean, it's just y- where
4: where where are they going to? I mean, look, uh, I I think if you actually talk to people who are being served in those areas, those those men who are being housed there, and I do believe that when people serve their time, they ought to be given a second chance, but A mixture, though, not all. uh, Absolutely, a mixture. I think you would hear from them that, look, they, they want a roof over their heads and they want a place where they can afford to live and buy food and work. And the fact that they might have to travel 40 minutes on the train to come into Midtown for their job, that's okay. They're not complaining about that. I just think we had to do maximum number of people. Rather than some
2: political stuff. well, I about think that location. we could get
1: people their own apartments.
2: Well, I, I think De Blasio yeah. is too busy yeah. running for president. Yes, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is going to be a very swift and painful okay. end. But <laughs> <laughs> he's too busy with that thinking outside yeah. of New York City to pay any attention. Look at NYCHA. This, this yeah. is one of the. Be- I, I wrote a column a few weeks ago, Dottie, I don't know if you saw it, I, in which I called upon De Blasio to resign. Yes. Uh, I mean, how can the guy who <laughs> complains about greedy landlords and this and that and, you know, the tailor two says so he's the biggest slumlord in the country? And, That's you know, true. You, you know so the, t- the New York City Housing Authority, they blame everything, you know, for, on somebody else. There's only one person who is responsible for running NYCHA, the mayor. Well, it reports yeah. entirely to All him, right. not to the governor, not to the federal government. We got to take, take a break. Steve, we got to take a break. And
1: we're going to finish up. And then when we were to talk about Anthony... Bourdain. I mean, that was a horrible thing that I happened, and I, right. I just wanted your thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back after a commercial break with Steve Cuozzo from The Post. Uh, hold on. We'll be right back after the break.
0: I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866 970 9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO Dottie Herman.
1: Hi, we're back with I on real estate. I'm here with the, myself, Dottie Herman, uh, Jerry Feeney, our legal expert, Ace Water Superoff, our financial expert, and we're thrilled to have the Post editor and columnist Steve Clouseau. Uh, and we were in the process of really getting into kind of a very emotional debate. <laughs> so, You're very
4: shy, Steve Cuzo. You got to come out of your shell, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> so it's mine. stop
2: I, 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 People have urged me to do that over. over no, years. but you know, see,
1: I I just have to say this because I get so aggravated. I don't. I can't listen to sometimes the the news anymore. I just feel like we should be happy that people have a right that we're allowed to have different opinions and not yeah. hate over it. Uh, just you know, you might not agree with people's opinions, but. Respect that we're, we we live in a country that we can do that, and it's uh, so. I think that that's.
2: I don't. I don't, of, I don't think so. You don't think? so? No, no. I think they should all share my opinion.
1: Oh well, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow,
2: because it's we, the correct one. You know. why, why do you need all these different opinions when they right. they only well, get you in the, the way of what I want? Here.
4: But, you know, we're all, we're all New Yorkers that love the city. That's what everyone is in common is talking about here. We're talking about, you know, a city that we really, really enjoy living in. And we're trying to figure out a way to make it better. And it's the greatest you know, place in the world. It is. It and you really know what is. I tell
1: people? The world can learn a lesson from New York City because, really, every walk of life, every income, everybody, mm. like, nothing would shock you about anything that goes on there. And everybody somehow gets along or makes it work. I mean, I, I mean, it just works. And I think that when you're exposed to very different cultures and very different lifestyles, you become um, a lot more comfortable with it. Than sometimes parts of the country are kind of very isolated. Everyone's the same. But speaking of that, I watched his show uh, a lot, whenever I could watch it. Uh, So Anthony Bourdain, I mean, he... Had it seemed like he had the world around him, and he just did such a great job, and so. Um
2: Saddest thing ever. I didn't know Tony. I spoke. I never met him. Spoke to him a few times by phone, but he was one of these uh, larger-than-life uh, figures who had the gift of making everybody feel as if you were his friend, and um, mm-hmm. you know, he was. By I'm, uh, although I didn't know him. I'm. I have close friends who were close friends of uh, Tony's. And uh, you know, I know through them that he was a very sharing, not only on you know, in his television persona on parts unknown, et cetera, but um in real life, very sharing, generous, giving uh soul. And um, you know, we may never know you know, exactly right. what what prompted him to take his own life. Um but look, he was a He was a drug addict. And you say, well, decades ago he gave it up, which he did. Absolutely true. But he still drank. He drank heavily. Made no secret of that. And that alcohol is a depressant, and um, it is an addiction. So uh, it may well be that that contributed to his state of mind.
1: Yeah. See, so you never really know... um you just never know that that was uh, actually two suicides in the same week. Uh, that yeah. was uh,
4: Kate Spade. Kate
1: Spade also, and I, and I guess everyone thinks, oh God, if I had that life, or if I was like them, or that uh, successful, then I would be so problems. happy. And, I'd you be know, so
2: happy all the time. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: yeah. Now let me ask you something, though. He, what was his dream? Because he really did. He kind of transform the New York City food scene.
2: Speaking no, I city, don't we think we got the sirens going on in the background I, yeah, to, to yeah, give yeah, us the full effect. The here. <laughs> greatest city in the world here. The um, uh, uh, I don't think he transformed the food scene, but I think that he did uh, many. I mean, this food scene has changed, you know, unrecognizably in the last 10, 15 years. And there were a million different causes and factors and reasons. But Tony had the gift of he, he opened up the world of cuisine and food. To everyone, not only in New York, but everybody in the in in the country who you know who paid attention, in terms of uh, 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 bringing a greater widespread awareness of where food comes from, its origins, um, the suffering and uh, inequality and injustice that often. You know, is uh, part of its you know origins and and that sort of thing. And at the same time, he made it. I, I think that his show certainly encouraged everybody with an with an interest in food to try new things, to experiment with well, new things, yeah. to be open to cuisines of Central America, South America, uh, uh, Ukraine, you know, and, of course, Asia.
1: Well, I have to say, Steve, I watched his show, and some of those foods that he tried, there's no way in hell disgusting, right? you would <laughs> no. get me. Yeah. Okay, no I way I admired what he was hell. doing but
4: okay. was. No and I way. were not going to eat uh, the, <laughs> so, the deep-fried cockroaches. Or, you know, right.
2: Camel <laughs> eyeballs. Fine. Oh, yeah. right? really? You okay. Yeah. I mean, I he gave was, him all the credit <laughs> for trying
1: that stuff, but yeah. you—
4: I, we we weren't gonna But you know what I loved about the show I just want to say is I always felt like uh, and I didn't realize how popular it was. I mean I used to watch it but I didn't know everybody else did. I I liked when he would just talk to somebody about food who was a local person who was pur- purveyor of it, and he got to know them and he would talk about their experience and their life and how they learned to cook and I felt like it was you were sitting in on a, just a conversation between two people at a coffee table and you were invited, you know, to hear it. He really had a, a great way uh, an intimacy <laughs> to him that that really came across um, like unlike any other cooking show or food show, which you know
2: I, I agree with you no no one no one has ever done what he did and he a great he combined a number of of talents that and, and gifts that really rarely are shared in the same person he 's a great writer mm-hmm. he 's a great entertainer he 's a great wit um, he had an extraordinary Depth of knowledge about about cuisine and 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 food preparation, and you put all that stuff together. And again, this generosity of spirit and the eagerness to to share that uh, made him, I I think, very very unique. His shows were marvelous to watch. I remember one episode. I I don't remember which of the shows it was. He he was in Vietnam, and he was on a boat going up a river, the Delta Mekong Delta. I don't know whatever it was, and to meet some mysterious figure in the jungle who created a certain kind of food. And it was <laughs> extraordinary to watch. I mean, yeah. it was simultaneously uh, uh, suspenseful, funny, and a little scary. And, you know, he, he could do all these different things yeah. so well.
1: Yeah he, yeah, he was really, and it was uh, really yeah. very sad. And I guess you just never know, so I, I, I don't know if anyone's expert on signs of of, of of mental illness or you can sometimes it's hard to tell if someone's just depressed for a day or two or having a bad time uh-huh. or they're really depressed but in any event we really will miss him and uh-huh. I watched a, a few of the, the young chefs or future chefs in New York City and um, they really looked up to him as a kind of a a role model. Yeah. So, Steve, I, I have don't a question for Steve you. before
4: you
2: we, yeah, well, we I, You can before. ask
1: him his question, and yeah. then I'm yeah, going to ask him before because I don't want to keep him Fourth of July weekend. But yeah, I
2: have to get back in the pool. <clears> dog. Yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> I know. No, 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 He's I
2: working on his. Building and building. Wait, I need a We're picture of
1: that pool shot. Okay. <laughs> well, but but let me ask you. So so let. But also give us your best tips or your best restaurants and, and, you know, answer Jerry's question first, though. Go ahead, Jerry. Well,
4: my question was just your thoughts on, on, on the mayor uh, taking the testing system out of the Bronx Science and Brooklyn Tech. We talked about it a little bit last week. Did you have any thoughts on that?
2: Well, you know, I probably do. Probably best not to share because I don't really know enough. I'm, it, it isn't mm-hmm. my area of, of knowledge, of study, of coverage, and I mean my, my off-the-cuff take is that He's nuts, um, but you know you don't go and dilute, you know, a, 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 an educational protocol that has great value, and you don't dumb it down, uh, oh, which is what he has in mind, and, and would only do a disservice to the to the very people that you know he, he would hope would benefit from it. Um, but I, other than that, I can't really put my, my thoughts. In are
1: it. I don't. I think that there's not a perfect system, and I think that sometimes too much emphasis is on testing. Um, And so what happens is, because teachers get rated on how those students do, and so what happens, though, sometimes is the teacher... Uh, teaches for a test, so because she gets rated on how well she does by how many people mm-hmm. do well on the test. So I don't think that we should lower our standards. If anything, I think they should be higher, but I'm not sure if everything... The testing is
2: the only way to go. Yeah, but... I, I completely think... agree with you. When I was, uh, in, in a several lifetimes ago, when I was out of college, I had my undergraduate degree, and I, I had this bright idea that I wanted to get a, uh, a Ph.D. In, in English from CUNY. And in order to qualify, you had to take uh, what were called the GREs, Graduate Record Exams. I don't know if they still exist, but I'm sure they do in some form. Mm -hmm. And in order to prepare, for some reason, I had to take the the test in both English and math aptitude and, and, and knowledge. So I was about 22. And I went out to Woolworths. There was a Woolworths on Broadway oh, at 79th, and I bought it. <laughs> was a blast. I blast. bought these cheap books, you know, for $5, how to prepare for the graduate record examination, uh-huh. and boom, 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 right? <laughs> and I took them home, and I, they don't know what the questions are going to be, but they know what kinds of questions they're going to be. They recycle them year after year. And... When I took the GREs, I thought, oh, my God, this is going to kill my chances of getting in. And when the results came back, I looked at it in disbelief and said, I had no idea I was such a a genius. (laughs) I was a 95th percentile. Wow, you were. Come on, guys. And if you could do that just by buying some basic book, imagine what it's like when you can spend thousands of dollars to attend classes for six months just to get ready for the test. So, Dottie, I'm totally with you on that.
1: Yeah, I just think a lot of uh, that some people do really well, but it just don't test well. So it should be around. Steve, before I, I want to say, first of all, thank you. And would you give thank everybody, you. please, again, you can reach Steve at the New York Post at their website. Uh, and Steve, I want to say happy 4th of July. Happy 4th. Thank you for coming on our show. We really hope you'll come back.
2: Thanks. Thanks for having me. Jerry, thank you.
1: Thanks. Thank have a great you. Have a good time. Close yeah.
2: and forth in the best way, okay? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Take care. Yeah. Bye.
1: He's great, isn't he? I mean, he's just lot great. Of fun. He's a lot, of, a lot fun of fun and he's so knowledgeable. And yeah. he really Love is. I think we uh, have a commercial break coming up. And then I've got some questions for Ace. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll be right back with I Am Real Estate with Jerry, Ace, and myself.
0: It's I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866 970 9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO Dottie Herman.
1: We're back, and of course, I am back with my friends and my industry leaders Ace, Water Toothbarp and Jerry Feeney. Um, Steve Puzo was great to have on and I uh, always... I
4: love hearing him talk yeah, about Yeah, I could talk to him for hours. This. Yeah. And you know yeah.
1: something, even though we're a real estate show, I get I, I get into other things as we just talked to Ace about it because real estate is not only about real estate anymore. It's really right. about a lifestyle and people have to figure out what lifestyle they want and that would yeah. determine whether you live in a city, whether you live in the suburbs, yeah. you know, um, and, 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 and what the trends are today, lifestyle-wise, because I think the millennials, which we'll spend time on that on another day, really, they seek a bit of a different lifestyle, I think. Uh, yeah, although- and food
4: matters. I mean, the, the restaurant availability and the, and the availability of different cuisines is a big part of, of real estate, you yeah. know. Um, people want yeah, to even- be able to go
1: I didn't even get to ask Steve what he felt was his best restaurant. I know. I'm sorry. Restaurant.
4: I didn't mean to cut you off. I was interested to hear the answer to your question, too, of what he was thinking about in terms of new restaurants and stuff. Yeah, but, but we'll have to have on him
1: it. on again, because he's a great guest. And, and yeah, if you follow him, you'll find out what he thinks are great restaurants and what he thinks are not great restaurants. So, mm. uh, But in saying that, and, and, and I really want everyone to have a great Fourth of July weekend, I... I I do think it's about lifestyles, and I do think people do still love real estate, and they want to own it, and...
4: um, And they want to talk about it.
1: Yeah, and if you are ever considering a career, for me, it's been a great career, uh, because you are always meeting different people, whether you're in real estate, or you're in the finance, or you're in the legal part of it. If you're doing anything with real estate, it really never... It's never it's, the same. It's always it's a different dull. experience. It's, it's a different <laughs> customer. And it's one of the few professions where you really get to know somebody intimately in the sense that you're dealing mm-hmm. with something personal. So whether you're ace and you're dealing with their personal finances yeah. and you know sometimes things they might not want to share with their friends or maybe they had some debts. Or whether you're Jerry and you're doing their legal stuff or myself – um, you really get to know a lot of these customers very well.
4: Well, I mean, oftentimes yeah. they're they're doing things that are major changes not- in their life. You know, they're divorcing or something like that. And I learned that very early on that, you know, you have a couple that's divorcing and it's very sad. Yeah. And you can't always put them in the same room at the closing. I remember specifically a closing that they, they both cried for the entire time. And it was so emotional because it was a dream that they had had that they were now... Siding away and selling to somebody else. It's yeah. very, it's so, very tough.
1: Well, yeah, and there's also happy times. I mean, look, there's so many people I want to focus on all the first time buyers <laughs> or people that are changing a lifestyle. But somebody asked, like, who are today's home buyers? And so the new demographics uh, that came out uh, for 2018. And it's called the, and it's a report, The Changing Face of Home Buyers in the US. And again, this is not about New York specifically. It showed that home buyers are increasingly women, mm-hmm. graying, and without children. Okay, so that's changed. A lot more women are buying, and they're not necessarily married, or maybe they're divorced, and they, okay, and those are three separate categories, not once. So women, Greying, which could be men or women, and without children. And um, it says that the share of, of, of homebuyers compromised of women increased almost 50% in 2017. Compared to a generation ago in 1981, they only, women only made up 18.9%.
4: And let me tell you when women are buyers they really do their homework. Boy, my clients that are that are women buyers come to me with lots of questions. They've read all the documents. They're they're really doing their homework They and preparing do. for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the
1: second category uh to increase is households mm-hmm. over the age of 55. So that's like I think the youngest baby boomers are about 55 around there. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So which increase now from 27.8% compared to 16.1% in 81. Uh, because I think and I and, you know we can talk about this next week but I think that you'll find that people over 55 what they're doing those who owned houses are like getting ready for a, you know a, a new chapter in their life their kids are out they maybe don't want to live in the suburbs anymore and a lot of them are selling their big houses in the suburbs where they had lawns and, mm-hmm. you know, you know all that kind pools, of stuff. and, and pools and, you know, the oil burner was a... And the roof had a leak where they're buying condos, whether they're luxury condos or they're regular condos. Yes, but that age group, and I think it's not only in the Northeast, I think it's across the country, that age group is saying, okay, we had all that stuff, and now we want to have an easy life. We want a turnkey
2: operation,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? And it's a new chapter, and also those... Um, Baby boomers are social and so a lot of the, you'll see the rentals or the condos that you can buy are have places where people can gather and they can get to know each other and they can meet new friends like there's common areas. Uh, because it's very hard and I, 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 I would watch it in, in, in being in the business um, and see like older people living by themselves in a house on the suburbs totally isolated so I think that people are now you know so I think that's another category which uh, I think that's increased So the baby boomers are buying um, and that's a big category and then home buyers that are under 35 hit a low because uh, they didn't have the money but that's coming back and the millennials are really growing the market Little by little by little because it took them longer to save up. Uh, but they are all for home buying. So we have a lot of different generations at one time looking to buy because yeah. usually the baby boomers were retiring. So now they work longer, and they don't want a small retirement apartment. Okay? And then another trend is maybe you'll see multiple housing where you'll see somebody, instead of buying that big, big house or that luxury, they'll buy a place or they'll rent a place for a month or two in, um, you know, a warmer climate and then they'll keep a place here. So there's a lot of new trends and so I keep track of it. Even the Hamptons, I was telling Ace when I first started going to the Hamptons, you had a rent, you couldn't find a rental for a week. You had a rent for a month. Or two months, um, but you're seeing that now you can find rentals for a week or two weeks, or, and you'll see younger people sometimes don't want to spend the whole summer. Maybe they want to spend the month in the Hamptons yeah. and maybe a month someplace else. So it's very different. And speaking of that, Airbnb is in trouble again. You hear anything about well, what that?
4: What did they do now? What mm-hmm. happened? No, I didn't. What did they do?
1: Well. There's new laws and the and and they're they're regulating it and Airbnb and B said on Thursday it's forced to cancel thousands of bookings in Japan if the government expectedly announced the immediate implementation of a law that regulates home sharing. Hmm. And cities like New York and Paris seek to regulate the housing service out of fears it's jeopardizing the supply of affordable housing or being used for illegal <clears throat> activities and that could be another reason the the hotel business that Steve said is down
4: oh i think it's a big reason why it's down and you know i just from observing from the sidelines and watching this i've never you know done an airbnb or offered an airbnb they seem to be a little arrogant the way they came in they came in and sort of said well you just have to let us do this and we don't care about what you have to say I think there's got to be a balance, like everything else. It's here to stay this trend, but you've got to be cognizant of, of people's neighbors and, you do. and people's na- people want to know who's living next door to them, and they can't just have transients coming in and out.
1: No, and I wouldn't want that. There. I wouldn't want a neighbor who had that. No. Ace, I don't know if we're going to finish it today, yeah. but we really you you were talked you um, commented on, on articles about credit. And what what they're looking at now, that they can look at your profile. Yeah. could you talk to us a little about?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, there's so many people that don't have credit, um, I guess, in our country, right? So, um, and, and I think the uh, the future is really towards sort of digital footprint. So where, digital footprint, yeah.
1: okay, and that's
3: it's it's like what what we what do every day. What does that exactly mean? So so anything that you do online, whether it's shopping, whether it's um, you know looking for a car or on social media what you post so there are going to be alternatives in terms of measuring your credit um, that they're talking about so nothing's definite but you know your behaviors things that you do online that people are already tracking right so there's something called AI AI which is artificial intelligence where, they're sort of tracking where you shop, where, where you're looking at certain websites before you land on the website. So
1: They're going to know what you're going to do before you know it.
3: Exactly. That's <laughs> why sometimes you see these ads pop up when you know, you're looking, I don't know, like whatever you're searching. And then all of a sudden an ad pops up that's yeah. you know, it's, well, sort of like reading your mind. It's so. unbelievable. But they've also got a re-
1: you know Sorry. what I read? No. I read that there are robots now that actually can debate you. Like you can have a debate with robots.
4: Oh, wow. That's great! You have somebody else to argue with. You're a <laughs> robot now. I mean, pl- enough. <laughs> you know, from peace. You know what I love about these pop-up ads, though? They don't seem to learn that just because three years ago I was looking for a sofa, I got it. You know, right? you don't have to keep showing yeah. me the sofa like it's, that was three years ago. You know,
1: <laughs> give them a little time. But I do believe that yeah. they're the intelligence that what they're what what Ace is talking about is they are going to know your patterns. Yeah. And they'll know when you're ready to move. They'll know things that you don't even know. And um, yeah, so should people be careful? I mean, we don't have much time, but should people be careful of their digital? Should they have that in mind if they don't have credit? Should they do anything uh, differently? I think or? it's still er-
3: too early to tell. But, you know, if, if you are online and you are spending, you know, your... I guess, your shopping habits, things of that nature, that will come into play. That that, that will come into play. <laughs> Listen, so.
1: I think we're coming to an end of uh, yeah. 12 o'clock. And I want to wish everyone a safe, healthy, and wonderful 4th of July. And um, be careful. It's a heat wave, so yes. be careful of the heat. But again, yeah. wishing everyone a great holiday. And we'll be back Don't next week.
4: Don't light up fireworks. Go watch stay the cool. Fireworks. Stay Don't cool. Yes, stay cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> mm.